Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. U.S. women's soccer star has been now. Megan Rapino ends her long career by giving one final F you to the United States of America and its national anthem. And one of the most popular children's cartoons, I guarantee you've let your kids watch this, in the country introduces its first non-binary character because it's never too early to indoctrinate the children with the rabid gender ideology, the cult. Get, the, get them in the cult nice and early, just keep reinforcing it over and over. That way, by the time they get to school in any state other than Florida, it'll be super easy to switch them over as a supporter or perhaps as a joiner. Concerned parents uh, were not supposed to notice the hidden reference in the show, but we did, and we'll talk about it. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Joining me now to discuss these stories and many others, Carrie Prejean Bowler, Miss California 2009, and one of the most outspoken mothers I know, leading the charge against the messaging being shoved in front of our children today. Carrie, so good to see you. There's a lot nice. going on just in California. So on many levels, you're the perfect guest for today. I, I have to kick it off with this. Okay, I now I live in Connecticut. And one of the blessings of moving from New York City to Connecticut is, while Connecticut is a blue state, it is not disgusting. It is not uh, amoral. It is not full of debauchery around every corner like San Francisco, California. I realize you don't live in San Fran, thank God. <laughs> but in San Francisco, California right now, as the New York Times, by the way, does this long piece today trying to rehabilitate San Fran is like 
why, you know, people are being too hard on it. You know, it's really come back. It's doing just fine. We get the Folsom Street Fair and your favorite, your favorite lawmaker. Can I tell the audience? Carrie has been on to State Senator Scott Weiner for years, for years. And when I first met Carrie, I got to re-know you because we met years ago. I was like, why is she so fired up about this guy? What's he doing? I don't know. He's a normal lib. No, he's not. He's not normal. And he is tweeting about this Folsom Street Fair uh, just over the past couple of days saying today is the Folsom Street Fair. One of the best days of the year in San Francisco. He attended the Folsom Leather Brunch. He's so grateful to all the kick-ass community leaders who make our city a better place. Well, Carrie, you take a, like two minutes to look into the Folsom Street Fair that Scott Weiner, your favorite, is celebrating. And forgive me to the audience at home because I'm going to have to get graphic here. Um, we It didn't take us long to find this picture of grown men, men peeing and we believe defecating on other people in a public kiddie pool that is on display. Another image shows men's penises, people having sex, appears to be both anal and oral. Here's somebody who has the, the words scat pig on his back. Scat, of course, is, you know, a, a term for crap, bear crap. And pig in the Urban Dictionary, we are told uh, anything re referencing pig play means raunchy gay sex. If one refers to them as a pig, they usually have few limits in terms of sex. So this person's had that written on his back in what appears to be human excrement uh, parading around. One person had, was uh, dressed as a priest with a paddle, uh, another woman with her breast removed, showing off her top surgery scars. Uh, and then, as I said, people openly having sex. We didn't make graphics of it because it was too X-rated. This is happening right this week, currently, on the streets of San Francisco and your state senator, who's trying to trans half the kids in your state, maybe all of them, is celebrating it openly and unabashedly. Scott Weiner, who we can thank for half of the radical legislation that's either on the docket or being pushed through right now in California. What do you make of it all? Oh, my blood is boiling, Megan. Um, I have been speaking out against Senator Weiner for a very long time now. I actually had the privilege of uh, running into him at my local country club here, and that was fun. Um, oh, we have that. I'm sorry to interrupt <laughs> you just as soon as you get going, but we pulled that because we know you were onto this guy a long time ago. Well, let me show it to the audience so they know what you're about to discuss. Are you? Like the whole trans movement and all that based on pedophilia and child abuse. Are you not familiar with it? You need to understand what you're supporting.
uh, so that was you and Britt getting right up yeah. in this guy's grill. And there, I, I know it's controversial to con confront our public servants. I use that term generously with him in, in <laughs> private spaces. But this guy is actively, I think, trying to cause the abuse of young children. He deserves it. I'm sorry, but this guy might be singularly evil in the way he is approaching our children. Go ahead. Yeah, he is solely responsible for most of the bills that are being passed here in California. And this guy doesn't even have children, obviously. Um, he is he is a pervert, first of all. And I think that they need to be looking into his hard drives on his computers at his home because this guy is, I mean, you showed the pictures. This guy is sick. This guy is perverted. And this guy has no place making bills that are that are affecting families and children across this state of California. He is disgusting. And I'm so glad that people are, are becoming more aware of what he's doing and who he really is. He is disgusting, filth, and he's a groomer. Uh, the, the reaction online has been pretty swift, saying, my God, the fact that a sitting state senator would admit he attended this and celebrate you know, being at this event where the, where the people are defecating on each other, openly having anal sex. Are you kidding me? Like how? It's just like we last week we were critical of Senator John Fetterman for the outfit he wore to the U.S. Senate for them and for them relaxing the dress code at the U.S. Senate. I realize this is state, but it's still a legislative body that is responsible for the laws that come out for one of the largest states in the union. Is it the largest? Yeah. Second, maybe second. Yeah. Okay. So this guy who actively every day seems to sit down and say, what can I do to deprive any parent of the right to take care of his or her own child? I mm -hmm. want control over Carrie Prejean Bowler's children, over all the Californians' children. That guy's showing up at the event where they're smearing shit all over one another, peeing on one another in front of everyone. And yeah. you guys are supposed to trust him. Yeah. No, we don't trust him. And that's why when Britt and I went up to him at that restaurant, I mean, what an arrogant pig he is. And then he had the audacity, Megan, to go up to the hostess and say, these women are harassing me. He is a coward. He wouldn't answer any of our questions. He knows that he is absolute filth and that he's despised by most people in this state, including Democrats. I don't know anybody that approves of any bills that he is sponsoring. And he is pushing this cult on our children. And I'm so thankful that people are onto him. And we need to vote his ass out of office. I'm sorry. He he is too radical, even for Gavin Newsom. Yeah, he is the man behind the legislation, which by it's not a miracle. It's presidential politics. But I was going to say by some miracle. But but I think because of presidential politics, Gavin Newsom declined to sign. And whatever you think of Gavin Newsom, and I think we both know he's very aligned with the radical gender ideology. Thank God he did not sign it. Thank God he didn't sign it. But Britt, this guy Wiener, it, he, he loved this legislation and he's still openly expressing his lament that Gavin Newsom didn't sign it. And it could still go through because the Democrats have super majorities in the House and the state Senate out there and they could still override the veto. And you know what I'm talking about, how they, they, they will they wanted to make it very easy for courts to say, if you don't affirm your child's gender confusion, you could lose custody. Yeah, think about that.
It's literally a kidnapping bill that pervert Senator Scott Weiner is is basically saying you parents have no rights that if your child goes to school and says, you know, oh, my parents aren't affirming me and I want to, you know, move out and I'm 12 years old. Guess what Scott Weiner is proposing that the school take those kids and put them in a facility and and the parents have absolutely no rights. This is ludicrous. This is insanity. This is absolutely insane. And parents better wake um, up. I I should note for the record, uh, we have no evidence of anything on his computer at home. She's I think you're saying he's perverted because of the legislation he is pushing through that would deprive parents of their rights and allow the state to decide whether a child's momentary gender confusion means he no longer has access to his mother. Yeah, I want to know why Scott Weiner is obsessed with our children. That's what I mean by let's look at his hard drive. OK, why is he obsessed with pushing this cult ideology on our kids? You look at the disgusting filth on his Instagram, the things that he posts. It is it is so beyond insane, Megan, that that he he needs to be investigated. I'm sorry, because he is obsessed with our kids. He's obsessed with pushing parents out of the conversation. And he wants us parents to have absolutely no rights. There it's is shameful. a um, there is a, a woman who goes by Ask a Trans Widow. I, I think I know what that means. Uh, she goes. Her name is Tracy, who posted the reaction to his tweet saying he, that this is one of the best days of the year in San Francisco. This this fair. And she she states as follows. Folsom Fair is known for exhibiting the most disgusting and depraved acts publicly. The fact that a state senator thinks it's perfectly acceptable to announce he was at a leather brunch highlights a problem with the greater culture. We keep being told we're bigots while the bar keeps moving from tolerance all the way to men acting out their homosexual kinks in public. It's gross. And all of California should be ashamed uh, because San Francisco has no shame of its own anymore. Now, he has not responded to any of this, but here's another person's post. Public sex, piss, shit and abuse. This is degradation. Nothing to celebrate. The demoralization of our culture is a cancer on our ability to form nourishing relationships and community. That's exactly it. It's just, you know, I, not so long ago, and I realized San Francisco, but I mean, it's not that different from Chelsea, New York, you know, in New York City, the, the Chelsea neighborhoods, very, very gay neighborhood. I lived there for a couple of years when I first got to New York. It, the, the Halloween parade was a lot, but nothing like this. Nothing like this where like, you know, bodily functions on one another, like open, you know, masturbation and sex and, so, and like I've I never witnessed anything. It, uh, forgive me, but it was like the fun gays, you know, like they they were celebratory and it was like about embracing whatever a sexuality that had been demonized. It wasn't about forcing deviancy on the public streets in a way that they required you celebrate. And this first woman has a good point about how. Now it's really getting to the point where if you have a problem with this, it's your bigotry. It's your intolerance. Yeah. And I want to know what is the plus on the LGBTQIA plus? Is it now anything goes? Where do we draw the line, Megan? Now what's next? Men 
able to just go around naked in the streets in front of small children, let them express themselves, right? That was the whole thing in 2009. Whatever you want to do in the privacy of your bedroom. Well, guess what, Megan? The bedroom is now in the classroom, is now in the boardroom, is now passing laws that affect my children. It's not okay. You give them an inch, they take a freaking mile. When is it going to end and where do you draw the line? The appearance of deviance everywhere <laughs> is hard to miss. I mean, we've seen this sort of debauchery in, you know, in corner after corner, mostly in the very, very blue cities and the very, very blue states. But I would argue that what we're seeing, for example, in the women's prisons is also deviancy. I mean, there is a case that I've been dying to talk to you about. It's out of Wisconsin. All right. And we've we've talked before about how they're putting men in women's prisons now. And all you need to do is say that you're you're actually a woman. You're actually not a man. And several states in the union will say, OK, off you go. You're in the women's prison, including your state, California. And but people need to keep this in mind as they watch Gavin Newsom debate Ron DeSantis with Sean Hannity. Um, I, keep that in mind. You could not find two governors who are more diametrically opposed on this issue. But Gavin Newsom's just fine with putting men in with the women in the prisons. So let's go to Wisconsin, where they are now. This is according to the Daily Signals reporting housing a man whose name is Mark Campbell, who raped his own 10 year old daughter repeatedly in front of that little girl's little brother. This is him, Mark, trying to look like a woman unconvincingly. Um, he is in the Techita Correctional Institution in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. He is now a registered sex offender, convicted of first degree sexual assault of a child. He is uh, 52 years old. He's five foot nine. He's 225 pounds. And now he says he's female. A couple of years ago, uh, as of 2013, he said, I'm I'm transgender and I want surgery. He wanted the taxpayers to pay for it. The Department of Corrections said no. He filed a lawsuit in 2016 for not allowing his sex change operation on the taxpayer dime. In December 2020, this federal judge, James D. Peterson, a Barack Obama appointee, issued an opinion saying that Wisconsin must offer him taxpayer funded surgery to change, I guess, his penis into a vagina, some fake vagina hole mm -hmm. and um, and move him into the women's prison even before the surgery took place. So immediately into the women's prison. So now you've got this convicted rapist of little girls housed with the women in the Wisconsin Department of Corrections inside the prison I just mentioned. And we're supposed to say, let's be tolerant. Let's mm -hmm. understand how difficult it must be for somebody like Mark to be in the male prison. And let me just add one other, th other thing to this, Britt. Um, I'm trying to get the, um, okay, here's, here's what the guy said, the judge. Stand by. I did it as a screen grab. Uh, I was so fired up when I started reading about it. I'm like, oh, my God. OK. Um, all right. He says. Some members of the public are outraged at any effort to improve the health and well-being of inmates. <laughs> I, he's obviously not talking about the female inmates, but the yeah. true public interest lies in alleviating needless suffering by those who are dependent on the government for their care. I decline to impose any further prerequisites on Campbell's sex reassignment surgery. Peterson added using female pronouns for the inmate. 
She has waited long enough. So this judge, Barack Obama's, we have him to thank, his judge, uh, is very, very concerned about the health and well-being of the inmates. Carrie. Yeah, it's it's a very sad day, Megan, in America right now, because we have lost all not only common sense, but just human decency. I mean, think about what you just said. We are allowing a child rapist to now claim he's a woman because we've lost, you know, oh, well, a man can just miraculously become a woman. No, absolutely not. It's not a she. He's a he. And we need to stop playing the pronoun patty cake game because once you do that, you lose immediately. And think about it. So now we're allowing him in the women's prison because he claims he's a woman. What do you think is going to happen? It is. And it is. Evil. Where do these women go? Right. What, what happens no when these women yeah. wind up in front of James uh, Judge Judge Patterson? Does he have the same empathy for them? Does he do anything to protect yeah. them from this convicted rapist? And by the way, the same Daily Signal report points out that more than half of the trans-identifying prisoners in the Wisconsin criminal system are convicted sex offenders. These guys rape women, and in this case, little girls, and then as soon as they get sentenced to prison, they have an epiphany that, you know yeah. what? I am a woman. And they roll out the red carpet for them. And then this judge wants us to look at him and say, He's the empathetic one, and we're the terrible, mean-spirited dark hearts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, think about it. It's a pretty good, good gig for him. Think of all the men who are the rapists and the murderers. And, oh, all they have to say is, oh, I feel like a woman today, and now I can go bunker up with the ladies. I mean, what the hell is going on in America right now? And shame on that judge. And you know what? Shame on the feminists. Because where are all the Me Too women, Megan? Where are all the feminists that have created this mess? They made us so equal that now there are no longer differences between men and women. I blame the feminists for this. And where are the Me Too women who, oh, believe all women and I'm a victim? Where are they? Completely silent. Shame on them. Shame on that judge. They, the problem begins with their acceptance of the premise that trans women are women. They say that's true and that's ball game. Once you accept and it's they're they're not wrong. Once you accept that lie, yes, it is ball you're game. Right. You're right? right. That's Maybe. why we have to stand up to that lie. You're exactly right. You're exactly right, which is why we cannot call these men who are masquerading as women women. I I saw the other day Fox News posted a thing about the Panthers cheerleader, the dude that is wearing woman face and is a cheerleader and Fox News posted it and said she is this and she is that and I said stop calling him a she. Stop it Fox. Why are you why are you surrendering language? We need to take back our language and stand up for the truth. Men cannot be women. Women cannot be men. It's basic science. And we need to stop pandering to the left ideology cult that is that is pushing this garbage, not only on our kids, but on our society. And it's affecting women everywhere. Hmm. And we're going to get into some of those examples as we go forward. But uh, let me ask you, because I know that you're a big fan of President Trump. And of course, we've been very supportive of many of the things that Trump has done, too. But he stumbled, I think, a little in his interview with me on this answer 
And it's led to some blowback, in particular from DeSantis and his supporters, because you and I both know DeSantis has been very clear. A man cannot become a woman. That's not a thing. Um, mm -hmm. And is, you know, I think exactly as we'd want our next president to be when it comes to this issue. Doesn't mean he's a better candidate than Trump overall, but on this issue, he's very solid. Trump, I was surprised that he didn't come right. Like, I was a little surprised he didn't come right out and say, he did say what we wanted him to say on, I'm against now men coming into women's spaces, prisons. I asked him prisons, you know, uh, mm. bathrooms, locker rooms. And he said no. And he pointed out how he was aggressive in keeping them out of the military, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the, where they wanted trans people openly serving. Anyway, then I asked him this infamous question. Um, I'm going to play my question to him. And then I'm going to play you Riley Gaines's reaction because I've been dying to ask you about this. <laughs> Can a man become a woman? Um, <laughs> in my opinion, you have a man, you have a woman. I, I, I think, I think part of it is birth. Can the man give birth? No, no. Although they'll come up with some answer to that also someday. <laughs> I heard just the other day, they have a way that now the man can give birth. No, I would say, uh, uh, I'll continue my stance on that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now DeSantis already has an ad out comparing his answer to Glenn Beck on that exact question after I had my interview with Trump and his mm -hmm. and Trump's answer to me. And then here's Riley Gaines, who of course, an activist now trying to fight back against the same stuff you and I are fighting on, um, who's, by the way, just getting like so effective. And she's been very good. My God, I, I really and she's young. You know, she kind of like she's the right age to speak to this generation that's being so indoctrinated. Anyway, here she is reacting. Did you see this Megyn Kelly interview with Donald Trump talking about whether a man can become a woman? What are your thoughts? I was shocked. I never would have imagined that President Trump would have struggled to answer this. And it was very clear he was struggling. Uh, he hesitated. You know, it's, um, well, he says, you know, I think it's, it's not an I think. This is not an opinion. Uh, it's a fact that no. A male can never become a female. A man can never become a woman. A boy can never become a girl. A father can never become a mother. Um, it's an easy, emphatic no. What do you make of it, Carrie? Yeah, you know, I watched that interview, Megan, and I, I was actually shocked. I feel like he was surprised that you actually asked that question. I was thankful you asked it because I think it's important. Um, but if you really listen to what he said, at first he kind of was, was taken aback. And he said, you know, there's men and there's women. And I think that was his way of saying no. And then he he comes out later and says, no, I'm going to stick to, you know, basically saying no without saying it. Do I wish he would have come out swinging saying, no, a man cannot be a woman. But I think he he was so like shocked by that question. And it's it's such a, a, a ridiculous and like absurd question. Like, obviously, it no. It's, right. it's so insane that we even have to be criticizing someone for for not answering it in that way, because it's so obvious. Now, I look at what Trump does. So he said his number one thing is to stop this gender ideology cult being pushed on our kids. He's going to end the child gender mutilation. I look at the things that he's doing. And so, you know, I gave him a pass on that. Do I wish he would have said, yeah, a man cannot be a woman? Yes. But I look at the the good things that he's done, and um, he has a pretty good track record. And the numbers. Can I tell you? Can I tell you something? Um, <laughs> Trump used that term mutilation, and I understand mm -hmm. that term because how can you consent under the age of eighteen to having body parts chopped off for you know these purposes? Like what would appear to be, you know, in some cases political or ideological cult like ideations by parents who are 
pushing this stuff. You cannot tell me that all these children who are having top surgery or God forbid, bottom surgery are completely uh, informed, consent, never mind the ones who are doing puberty blockers into cross-sex hormones. They have no idea that they're mutilating their chances of ever having a child, that they are, yeah. they're, they're changing their insides in a way that will make them infertile. That's from the top trans advocates in this surgery and, and medicinal field. That's what they say. Um, so Trump used that term in our interview. This is the former president of the United States, the leading candidate to become the Republican candidate of the United States. And guess what? YouTube demonetized it because of that term. We're, to your point about controlling the language, Carrie, yeah. we're not allowed to use the M word, says YouTube, and, and, and remain monetized. You can stay on YouTube, but you can't. But like that, we've never been demonetized before, ever. Now, our channel has never been demonetized for any single video we've ever done. Now, the past president, the guy who's, according to the ABC News poll yesterday, the most likely to be the next president, mm -hmm. uses that word and YouTube tries to censor it. YouTube tries to say, nope, it's a punishment. I don't, look, I'm, I got enough money. I can, I can withstand YouTube's censorship of my presidential interview. That's However, it's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, this is the power, Megan, that they have. This is when we say the cult, it is it is so powerful what they can do. I mean, think about that. This is the, the former president and the leading Republican candidate for president for 2024. And, and he's not allowed to say exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. But they want to control the language. They want to censor you because they don't want you saying those words, Megan. They want you scared to say those words, the M word. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're going to threaten you. Hey, we're going to we're going to cancel you. We're going to make it so that you can't monetize off of the things that are being said on your on your show. Whatever happened to free speech? We saw that study that came out belatedly. I think it was it out of um, Amsterdam with the 16 year old boy who wanted to become a girl who went through a surgery where they were trying to create a vagina out of his penis. And I think this boy had been put on the puberty blockers into the uh, cross-sex hormones. So his penis never developed. And so there wasn't enough skin. And so they took skin from and, and tissue from his intestines. Forgive me, audience. I know this is graphic, but there's a reason for the, for the graphic discussion. I mean, what, what good does it do us to sweep this under the rug and pretend this isn't happening to children. They, they took, and this is not an isolated case. This is what they do. They take tissue from one's um, other organs. I think it was um, lower intestines in this case. And he died. He died. And, and this is the, not the death. I haven't heard about another death happening on the table like this, but this procedure is of course full of risks. If you watch Jazz Jennings, all Jazz talks about is the negative consequences of trying to have surgery from male to female and the expander that, I mean, I don't understand why mutilation is not an okay term. I, I really don't. What, what do you call it when a parent consents to a minor having the kind of procedures that, that do that to their intestines, that risk their lives, that risk their well-being for the rest of their lives? And that same parent, you know, who's looking at a child who can't legally get a tattoo, who can't legally have a cocktail who can't even in some of these instances like Chloe Cole even legally drive Carrie. I just, it's yeah. so dark. And the answer is not to shut down conversation around it.
No, absolutely not. But think about it. They don't want the words mutilation being thrown around because that's what it is. They, they don't want people to actually believe that it's mutilating their body. But what else is it? If it's not mutilation, what is it? What is the word that they want to use? Like, I mean, I don't know what other word they want to come up with at this point. Yeah. But that's why these, I, these e-transitioner voices, like you said, Chloe Cole, they are so important to be shedding light on the reality of what it, what this does to these young people who, who do mutilate their bodies at a young age. And so back to your question about Trump, I appreciate what, what he's saying that that's his number one thing. Think about that. That's his number one thing, Megan. That's pretty powerful. That shows that is his number one thing though. Do you think, I mean, I I think to Trump's credit, it's my number one thing. It's probably your number one thing. But yeah. I think Trump is more focused on the economy. And I, I, my own theory on why he answered the question that way is he hasn't really been thinking about it that much. You know, he's been thinking about yeah. the disastrous inflation and the immigration crisis. And I get it. Those are huge and they're massive. And, you know, a lot of people, that's their main focus. Right. You and I are in a different place as we're young moms and so on. I do think Trump will legislate the way we want him to if he's returned to the White House on this. And remember, he's old school, Megan. I mean, think about his age. This wasn't going on when he was our age. I mean, this is insane that he actually is being asked on a, on a huge interview with Megan Kelly. Can a man be a woman? I mean, that's where we're at in society. You're right. What You're right. You? Like, think about that. And then people are criticizing him. Oh, I can't believe he- it's so obvious. Like. <sighs> and you know what? He'll he'll get another chance. You know, some other interviewer will come after me and will ask it again in a different form and I'll have a do over at it. And we'll see then, you know, whether he's massaged, massaged the messaging. But you're right. I mean, I love the question. And I know you like the question, too, but it is an absurd question. It's an absurd question. And it's absurd that I have to ask it. We all know the answer. All right. Stand by. We're going to do a little beauty queen uh, discussion next and how I I'm apparently giving Carrie a run for her money in this field. I will show you the surprise reason I say that next. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Carrie Bajan Bowler is with me, and she is the, a former Miss California, which I mentioned for a reason. Carrie, I too am apparently in Beauty Queen contest, and uh, you know they don't get as much coverage as they ought to, but um, I made news uh, <laughs> apparently because. The recent winner of the, you know Miss Universe, it feeds into Miss Universe, Miss Zimbabwe, is said online by some to be a Megan Kelly lookalike, and I am here to tell you, I only wish my legs looked like this woman's legs. Um, they're about twenty-five miles high, but the reason this has made news is not because 
some people feel she looks like me, and we'll show you the little um, side by side in a minute. It's because she's controversial because she's white. And now some people look, there we are side by side. I think she looks more like Katherine Heigl, <laughs> who some people say I have a resemblance to. But in any event, there we are. Um, they're mad that a, co- a, a white colonialist won the Miss Zimbabwe uh, pageant, even though whites are apparently only 2% of the population out there. And they're pissed off that Zimbabweans aren't racist enough to reject the white girl. Oh my goodness. Okay. So last night I was prepping for your show and I was showing my kids. I said, look, I said, look at Miss Zimbabwe. And they go, that looks like Megan Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah, it literally looks exactly like you. Um, no, I, I find this, this is so sad, Megan, because she's a native from Zimbabwe. Like, why are we making this a big deal? You know, why can't we just let the girl win? Thank God she is a real woman, right? I mean, that's where yes. our standard. Let's just be thankful for that. <laughs> uh, but just the comments online, like I was going through it last night and I just thought, wow, people are so hateful. They're so cruel, you know? And I loved her response of saying like, you know, the color of our skin should not define a person. Um, you know, we're all beautifully kind made by God. And I, I'm like, good for her, you know, to obviously the judges picked her. Like, why are we not criticizing the judges? Why are we criticizing this girl? She's, you know, she's just like, Hey, I'm the winner. Don't blame me. So like, get over it. Yeah. Get over it. You know, I mean, yes, I know. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. And I'm thrilled that, you know, now there's somebody who is going to represent the Kelly name at the (laughs) It's the Miss Universe pageant. They're going to be like, what's that? Why would they elect a 52-year-old woman from New York as Miss Zimbabwe? But no, no, she, I think she's 20. I said to Debbie, Canadian Debbie, I'm like, don't we have like a, you know, something from the interview portion where we could hear how she sounds? She's like, MK, it's Miss Zimbabwe. We, no, we (laughs) don't have the, we do not have the interview portion online. I know, but Um, I feel like, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, like, I watched it and I thought it was so sad because even the girl that put the sash around her and put the crown on her, she kind of looked bummed out. You know, it was really sad that people weren't really celebrating her win. Why are we looking at the color of the skin? Why aren't we looking at, I mean, obviously it's a beauty contest, right? It should be. And it should be based Mm -hmm. on, you know, your personality and your answer and, and all that that goes into it. But she was clearly gorgeous. I mean, Think about it. We're, we're demonizing a pageant for picking the prettiest one, in my opinion. <laughs> well, and then and then we do exactly the opposite. OK, when the trans contestants run, which is happening, a couple of trans people won in, I don't know, the Netherlands and, and another place, too. Then that diversity is fine. You know, when it's an, a, a man with a penis, that is to be celebrated as that's good diversity. But a white yeah. person winning in Zimbabwe, where I presume most of the panel was likely black. Um, yeah. That's not okay. That's bad diversity. Yeah. Make up your mind. What is it? Do we want diversity? Do we want equity? What do we want? <laughs> do yeah. we want so penis good, white yeah, skin bad. Good. Yeah. Woman face good. Um, beautiful girl, not good. <laughs> so all right. So that brings me to the 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 homecoming queen situation. Now, oh. look, I I'm so I'm not trying to pick on this one trans person who won homecoming queen in Missouri. All right. I I'm sure this person, I don't know. This person lost their father, uh, in 2020. It's a boy who's posing as a girl. And Mm -hmm. I having lost my own dad in high school feel for him. 
I'm sure he does have issues as a result of this. However, it doesn't make him a woman. And he was just voted the homecoming queen at this student in Oak Park, uh, at this school in Oak Park. And respectfully, this is not a beautiful woman or even attempt at looking like a woman. Um, and yet he won and it's not the first time. And in fact, they voted for a boy to win homecoming queen a couple years ago. And that person mm -hmm. now, we actually took a look. That person now is a drag queen uh, who is using the moniker, what is it? Lana Lux with double X's, the Japanese Barbie of Kansas City. So, and posing all sort of not safe for work content. So that's, this school has like a history, but the thing that, you know, Riley Gaines, back to her again, she said something about this and I was like, it's a good way to put it. And she said, uh, I wonder if a female will win homecoming king, or if it's simply understood that both of these spots are reserved for males and saying, this is another reminder to all girls that men make the best women. That, boy, that sums it up. It really does. And it makes me so sad, Megan. I mean, think back to high school, you know, it was every girl's dream to win homecoming queen. I mean, if you won homecoming queen, you were like the coolest girl in the school. And I just feel so sad for our girls because you look at the four girls next to him. And I thought, where is their courage? Where is, the, what kind of girls are we raising? Oh, girls that just go in the picture and smile and just say, yeah, boy just took our title of homecoming queen. Like, why are we not raising strong women that say, absolutely not, am I going to accept this? And where are those parents? Shame on them. It's Shame true. on those girls. Shame on those girls. We need to be raising strong women like you and I who would say, absolutely not. He just took my, my title of homecoming queen. It's not acceptable. And people better wake up, Megan, because Riley Gaines is exactly right. Men make a better woman than a real woman. And that's mm -hmm. where we're at. And it's really sad for our daughters. We all know men make the best women. So well put. I'm going to be using that again. That's exactly what they're trying to say. And I understand that maybe they felt bad for this guy. He had, he had a family loss, maybe. And by the way, that's the only thing he pointed to when he said I had a rough time in high school. So one of the publications local asked him and he was like, well, my dad died. And I get it. As I said, I get it. But that it doesn't make you, doesn't give you an entitlement to be in women's spaces, winning women's awards. There are few enough. And I realize it's like, oh, homecoming queen, who gives a shit? But you're right. And I, when I was in high school, I won the homecoming princess when I was the sophomore, I was, which is not queen. I did not win. You lose to a guy? That was not a thing back when I was in high school. But I will say, I, I had been very badly bullied just a few years earlier. And to win that as a sophomore was such a boost of confidence for me. It was like, okay, my God, you know, I've sort of made it back. I've, I've, I have friends. I'm not going to be targeted now. And I'm sure trans people have a difficult time too, though. Not apparently at this school, <laughs> not at not this school. There's gotta be some other way of helping them feel good about themselves rather than taking those opportunities away, those spots away, that moment of like, okay, you know what? This is a nice honor. It's, and it's not just about, you know, beauty. It's all, it's about, I'm sure other personal factor, personality factors too, but it's a woman's award. It's a young girl's award. He doesn't belong there. It, it's not appropriate. Yeah. And I want to know, did they all give speeches like, you know, oh, hear my sob story. Cause we all have them, you know, we all right. have the sob story.
territory. Is that what it's becoming is who's the, who's the most, you know, victimized? Like what about the other four girls? Why didn't they get an opportunity to share their story? Maybe they had a death in the family. Maybe something's going on in their life and think about how they feel. They just lost out homecoming queen to a guy. That is, think of how they feel right now. And they're too afraid, Megan. They're too afraid because they, they know better. If they speak out, oh, you better watch out. You can never, you know, you look, you look back at the Zimbabwe thing. They look out at the field of candidates and they say, oh, they're all one thing. Why would, Mm -hmm. why is it okay to, to hire, um, this other thing or not hire, but honor this other thing to represent all those who don't look like the winner? Not okay. But in this situation, this guy's, he's, it's not even a woman. He's not even in the right category. And the other one, we're just talking about melanin here. This is, it's a man. It is a boy. It, the, the guy has a penis like that. I guarantee you, he didn't have the same history as the little girls did. He came up a different way. He didn't have the same challenges they had. He had his own set of challenges. I get it. But like the double standard is so obvious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And it happened here in in my city in San Diego here where uh, it was actually a football player. It wasn't even like a, a trans. It wasn't even a guy masquerading as a woman. It was it was a football player that won homecoming. Can you believe that? Oh my, that that's where oh we're at. And when I left, I, I actually got sick to my stomach and I left the game. And I said to one of the um, uh, teachers at the front gate, I said, you just allowed some dude to win homecoming queen. You know, what she said, oh, we don't call it homecoming queen anymore. We call it a homecoming royalty. I go, oh, so oh you're my just God. two kings. Like, what is this coming to? <laughs> yeah, that's going on. And that's what's next. They're going to eliminate homecoming queen and it's going to be two dudes. Watch it. Watch what happens. I say again, it's like, and and at the beauty pageant level, yes, there are scholarships and so on that these men are taking. There's all sorts of opportunity that, you know, can come from a beauty pageant win that are no longer, you know, this, whoever was runner up in the Netherlands is not going to get because a guy now has it. Um, But the same, like, as I speak of like the confidence boost you get as a young girl, I think of what it's like to be a teenager. My God. And I, it's not that I don't feel for the position this guy is in, but it shouldn't his making him feel better should not come at the cost or the expense of the young girls at that school. And you know, for sure that the others felt pressured into voting for this guy. That's why it's like, that's why the girls didn't say anything. I'm sure they were like, holy shit. Everybody's going to think I'm a bigot unless I say, yay, it's great. He won. Yay. Oh yeah. Look, it's so beautiful and so awesome. And yay. Good for him. And, and no matter how many conversations you and I have like this, because you got people like Megan Rapino out there saying something wrong with you. If you object to this, there's something wrong with you. If you object to males and women's sports too, even though she never had to do it, right. She didn't have men on her team or men playing against her except for that one exhibition match. And now here's Megan Rapinoe on her last middle finger to the United States, which made her rich, which gave her a college scholarship, which gave her $7 million a year reportedly in endorsements and fees for playing soccer for us on her swan song out the door, her last match as a, as a member of the U.S. team. Um, th- here she is when the national anthem played. Watch. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming 
whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight over oh, scowling with her hands behind her back as the little girls in front of her put their hands on their heart. She doesn't sing one word. She doesn't touch her heart. She looks angry the entire time she's out there. And of course, we know she said she's never going to sing the anthem again. She said that a couple years ago because of equity, because now, as she put it to a magazine, quote, she is now awake and she needs to protest this country's abysmal civil rights record. Carrie. This is exactly what a narcissist looks like, Megan. She is the epitome of narcissism, in my opinion. I mean, think of all the privileges she's had. Think of all the money that she's made. Oh, she's so oppressed and she's standing up for things. No, she's not. She's an absolute national disgrace to our country. And most normal people in this, in this country agree with that that they can't stand that woman. I'm so glad that she's done playing soccer. She's ruined women's soccer. She's, she's a national disgrace, that Megan Rapino. Now she's on the cover of all these magazines. I am so disgusted with her. I'm done. I am so done yeah. with her, Megan. What a she disgrace. received a presidential medal of freedom from President Biden, the highest civilian honor in the land. Her uh, relationship with Sue Bird, uh, a lesbian relationship has been celebrated by virtually every magazine and in every media corner. And still, she can't find even the gesture of putting her hand on her heart for the country that's made her rich, famous, just for playing a sport she supposedly loved while she sets a terrible example for our little girls. All I can say is, thank God those girls were looking forward and not looking back at Megan Rapino. Let's hope it's true metaphorically in addition to being an actual physical reality, because she is no role model. Good riddance. And I hope she rides off into the sunset to be alone with Sue Bird. I hope I never have to listen to her comment on any soccer game or anything in the future because she doesn't deserve it. She's not grateful for the support this country has shown her. Stand by, much more to get to, including what the hell is happening with our children's programming. Two minutes away. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. 
Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about as a mother uh, with children like me is what's happening with Paw Patrol. I mean, who hasn't put their kids in front of Paw Patrol? I mean, I, I always thought it was one of the most wholesome, sweetest little offerings for your kids. Absolutely nothing controversial, like the sweet little dogs. You know, half the kids want to be one of these dogs for Halloween. Um, now they have decided it might be a good idea on their spinoff of Paw Patrol to introduce a non-binary character. We need a non-binary character um, who, I'll just show you the picture because what they've done is they've they've just put the LGBTQ plus blah, 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 flag on the guy's gals, whatever, on his, her, they's, I don't, I can't, uh, feet. So they've got like the, the LGBTQ trans flag on their feet and the, I don't know, pink and blue, whatever it is. I can't tell. There's, this person's intentionally like the Chris or Pat character from Saturday Night Live. You just, you don't know, <laughs> unclear. And um, this is a new spinoff show off of Paw Patrol called Rubble and Crew. So parents should know it's called Rubble and Crew. Uh, they say the non-binary identity is not di- directly addressed on the show yet. And they don't yet have this kid giving the pronouns. But Matt Walsh is making the point, Carrie, that this is what they do. They try to get your kids comfortable with this kind of presentation and the flag and sort of these subliminal messages so that when it becomes more explicit in the later years of school, and by that I mean third grade, uh, it's totally normal and fine and, you know, they slip right into it. What do you make of it? Yeah. I mean, when I heard this, I go, oh my gosh. I mean, I remember, I mean, little kids watch Paw Patrol, tiny kids, not like big kids, little kids. And so when I first saw this, I dug a little bit deeper and I found the writer of that. I mean, I think, I think her name is Linz Amer, if I'm correct. Uh, she's yeah, the one that, that right. wrote in this character and she wrote, I wanted to write a non-binary character that was aspirational, incredibly cool. Someone for the pups and kids at home to look up to. This is the goal, Megan. They want to normalize this stuff. Think about it. A little three-year-old sees that and, 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 oh, there's the trans flag. And then they grow up with this stuff thinking it's normal. And then they go to public school and they're indoctrinated with it. They see the rainbow flag and the trans flag in the classroom. And it's just part of their normal life. This is the goal. This is what they want. And then you dig a little bit deeper and you, you look into what this writer is all about. And she's a they, them, whatever the hell that means. She's a they, them. So she's pushing her crap on our kids. It's, it's right. so, it's so wrong. And she wrote two books called rainbow parenting and, um, you know, another book, uh, I forget the name of it, but I mean, she's pushing her agenda. It's all for kids. It's all for, ch- she's very focused on children. That's her sole focus. Exactly. Exactly. It's called hooray for she, he, Z and they, what is Z, Megan? I cannot keep up. <laughs> 
No, it's not a thing. They're trying to make it a thing. It's not a thing. I refuse. It's a no. Two words, two words, hard no. Hard no. Hard no. It's hard no. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I have stolen that from, from you, um, it would make up all the money I lost from the Trump mutilation video. Okay. <laughs> now, the, it's not just Paw Patrol. So this woman, as we started to look at this woman, Lynn's a mayor, um, yes. we find out she was brought on by Nickelodeon two years ago, 2021, to consult on yet another beloved series, Blue's Clues. This completely escaped my notice because Blue's Clues aired an episode that featured transgender beavers with mastectomy scars. With oh, no. even Abby's laughing. Yes, mastectomy scars. Look, these are, I think, their little band aids over their mastectomy scarred chests. This is insane. And this woman says her main goal is to expand the definition of family. She wants to change what we understand to be family. I, I, to have more Z's and Z's and, you know, I guess non-traditional, I don't know. This is the same mission of Black Lives Matter, not for nothing. Yeah, this is uh, Marxism 101. They want to destroy the nuclear family and she's not even ashamed to say it. That's the crazy part. She's publicly saying this stuff. She's publicly saying that she wants to indoctrinate your children. And for all the moms out there that are listening right now, make sure you are paying attention to what your kids are watching. You know, get the privacy apps and do all the things that are necessary because this is the goal, Megan. They want to indoctrinate our kids. It's not a secret anymore. It's it's they're out. You've seen the show. Right. Or huh? you've seen the movie. Don't put your kid in front of it unless you've personally watched it already. Yeah. Don't don't go. Uh, by the way, not for nothing. Uh, yesterday was my son's 14th birthday and the whole family went to see the movie in the movie theater. Um, the Haunting of Venice. It's based on an Agatha Christie book. It stars Kenneth Branagh as Detective Hercule Perot. I recommend it. We all really enjoyed it. Jump scares. You know, uh, you know, our youngest is 10. He handled it just fine. If you have a kid who scares easily, maybe not, but totally enjoyed it. Okay, but back to Blue's Clues. Listen to this. Canadian Debbie pulled the lyrics from the tune, the parade sing-along that was in this episode, released in May of 2021. Um, And the parade is set to the classic tune of the ants go marching. But listen to the lyrics. Families marching four by four, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching four by four, hurrah, hurrah. Trans members of this family all love each other so proudly, and they all go marching in the big parade. Come join the fun! Families marching five by five, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching five by five, hurrah, hurrah. Some people choose their family. They love each other so proudly, and they all go marching in. Six by six, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching six by six, hurrah, hurrah. Ace, by and pan, grown-ups you see, can love each other oh so proudly. And they all go marching in the big parade. Oh, yeah! Is it over? Is it? Ace, by and pan. What's an ace? What's an ace family? I, what, is, what even... That's this woman's handiwork. She's everywhere. She's behind Blue's Clues. She's behind this, the Paw Patrol spinoff. You know, it's true. You can't trust anybody anymore. Yeah. This is why Megan conservatives and just normal parents in general need to play 
on offense consistently. We are always as conservative on the defense. They just add all these, you know, uh, letters to the LGBT mafia, rainbow mafia. And we're just like, oh, okay, yeah, let me just go along with it. No, we need to come out swinging. And as conservatives say, hard no, this is not acceptable. You won't have, that's basically a drag queen right there. We just saw a drag queen on there. They're trying to normalize this crap. They want to indoctrinate your kids. It's so insane. Canadian Debbie's telling me ace is short for asexual, which by the way, if you are, you don't have children. Like that's generally how it works. And that the sex needs to happen with a member of the opposite sex in order to create the baby. Hate to break it to you, lady, but that's general. That's how you came into the world. And that's pretty much how everybody came into the world. Sorry if you don't like it, but that's the only way humanity continues. The, the celebration of the double mastectomy scars. I'm, I realize these are like beavers. I don't, they look like bears to me, whatever. Okay. But it's of course, not just in the animal kingdom on cartoon television for children. It, it was just, um, the razor company Braun. Okay. The razor company Braun just a couple of years ago was releasing an ad that looked like this to get men to buy its razors. But this is the kind of ad we're used to. Let's see it. Some people see shaving as something you do for three minutes a day. At Braun, we see it as something you do for a lifetime. And we think you should make the best of it. The Braun Shaver, with its three shaving positions. Designed for those who choose to make a virtue out of necessity. Braun, the world's number one selling foil shaver. Okay. More than a couple of years ago, the 80s. My point is, this is how they used to try to appeal to men. Now they're using a woman proudly displaying her double mastectomy scars. Look at this. Look at this advertisement for their razors now. This is what they're showing. This is a woman posing as a man. And like, she's obviously taking hormones to grow that facial hair which now I guess she wants to pay Braun to help her shave off, Carrie. This literally like disturbs me so badly because now I had to come up with a new word and it's called man face. And this is exactly what it is. <laughs> it is man face, just like men are masquerading as women wearing woman face. This is man face and it's not okay. And I want those hot men like that guy in the commercial to come out swinging and say, this is not okay. <laughs> Right. This is insane. You have a woman that is taking medication to make her beard grow out and then she's shaving it. It makes no sense. It's, it hurts my mind. It's so insane. I know. And, and <laughs> Braun's response is, well, we have lots of ads, you know, like she, she, this, this, she, although they would be calling her, he appears in just one of them. This is why, you know, over at daily wire, our friends, uh, Jeremy boring, he's, uh, he helps run daily wire along with Ben. Um, he's got Jeremy's razors. Because I can't remember whether it was this company or another one, but they went super woke. No, it was yep. Gillette, wasn't it? With that, with that ridiculous ad. And he created Jeremy's razors. And if you're a man, why don't you just buy Jeremy's razors? Buy Jeremy's razors all day long. You can avoid the why how is the razor company gone woke? For the love of God. You're right. Yeah. It's like, what was why did we need woke razors? Why? Thank I don't you. get I'm it. Like, men have their spaces, women have their spaces. Let's stop pandering to this gender ideology cult. And it's all about ESG. I mean, we know that like, yeah. oh, okay. Numbers just went up because they did this. Like they don't really care about this, this delusional woman that thinks she's a dude. Like, it's not about that. 
Give me a break. Yes. Okay, it was after Harry's razors, which I never heard of, went woke. That's when Jeremy's razors was launched. But it's still alive and well, and Jeremy's yeah. pushing it at every term. So I, I'm going to buy Doug a, like a, a stocking full for Christmas. And you should, too, if you want to support non-woke razors, which is a thing now. We're going to have like the whole lane in Walgreens, like the woke and the non-woke. Um, and we will be on the ladder. Now, wait, the other thing I want to talk to you before we went was in Canada, Canada, which is like far more like progressive and even the United States, everything there, they're around the bend, the left wing bend. But even those parents in a sign of, you know, green shoot hope have found their nerve and they went out on what they were dubbing a million march, the one million march for children. Look at this. These are Canadians. I'm sorry. I love Canadians. I'm just saying like they don't, you know, they usually kind of roll over and take it. They're, They're so nice. Uh, they got out there. They're done t- rolling over and taking it, Carrie. This is all about what's being done to the children in schools. They're angry about the radical gender ideology and the radical sexual agenda and the erosion of parental authority uh, inside schools. And of course, in response, you had the Ottawa mayor call them hateful, said this was harassment and bigotry. You know, Justin, I've worn blackface so many times I can't even count them. Trudeau comes out to say the same, that this is hateful, saying transphobia, homophobia and biphobia. I mean, what? That's like what that's that is encompassed in the homophobia. Stop using all the words. It's a sign of wokeism. They shove shove as many words as they can into it um, to to. Well, there's no place for it in this country. So he we strongly condemn this, this hate and these manifestations of it. And we stand united with the, you know, he can't even say it too well, two spirit, blah, 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 blah. And here's some angry parents not feeling the Trudeau message. We're here to support our kids, our future, secure a future for our kids. And to say enough is enough. And what would you say to those who characterize this as a protest of hate? It's not about your kids. It's about harming it's not, other it's kids. Not, I don't see it as as hate, and I'm kind of it's I'm kind of confused as to how when 1.8 percent of the population want the other 98 point something percent to do what they want to do. Saying it's a hate because of LGBTQ. I have nothing against the the community. They can do what they want in the privacy of their own homes or wherever. And so I am here to tell everyone here that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And we are all becoming close friends and we are all going to be able to work together instead of isolated and alone. We've all been in silos working alone. Uh, The Muslims, the Christians, the English, the French, uh, the rich, the poor, uh, all separated, the natives, the settlers. And we are overcoming these. Those divisions were created on lies. Look at that. These are, I assume, progressives, like the whole country's progressives, except for Canadian dad, uh, Kelly uh, McGuire. <laughs> but how about that? That I am so hopeful. I am so excited to be living in the time we're living now, Megan, because you know what? The pendulum has swung so far, so far. They are such idiots for what they've done that people are waking up. And this is the perfect example. And, and you know what, this is the time in America to be alive right now, to fight back against this, to take our families back, to take our kids back and to unify. 
as one family, one United States of America, and to say, no, you will not indoctrinate our children. We're going to stand up and we won't be gaslit any longer. We're not hateful. We're loving. We love our kids. Don't gaslight us. I'm sick of this, but I'm proud. I'm so proud of those parents. Me too. I'm I'm so excited. I I was looking for Canadian Debbie in there. I'm sure she was probably in the back. She's she. She works her issues out through this show. She's <laughs> oh, Carrie, it's wonderful to see you. I had so many stories. I'm like, save it for Carrie. Save it, save it, save it. It's great to hear your voice of reason. Thank you, Megan. All right, we'll talk again soon. When we come back, Jason Rance, author of What's Killing America, is here. I'm looking forward to talking to him. Uh, he's got a great outlook on what's happening with our major cities. You know, we can do it all. We can do it all. We're not doing it all. Our cities are a hot mess, and he's got his finger on the pulse of several of them. So we'll get into it. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. more on the physical and cultural decay of our nation. We kicked off the show by talking about what's happening in San Francisco. Is that the sign of a healthy society? I think we could classify that as cultural decay. Here to discuss what's actually at the heart of our country's most dire problems is Jason Rance. He's author of the new book just out today. It's called What's Killing America? Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. And he is also the host of The Jason Rance Show. Jason, welcome to the show. I did not realize that you do all of this great work, write this book, talk about these issues, and you're based in Seattle? My yeah. God, sir. Talk about being in the belly of the beast. Yeah, no kidding. There are like 17 Republicans there, so it's easier for me, I guess, to sort of create my little niche. But yeah, I mean, look, I- I'm one of those people who like to live in the areas that I talk about. I-, I want to actually visit the places that I talk about rather than just simply relying on someone else's opinion, because oftentimes it's incredibly skewed. I mean, I live in a city in which people are telling me that everything is fine. Seattle is thriving. There's no problems whatsoever. I'm making it up to go in conservative media. Meanwhile, we've got a homicide number that's about to hit an all-time high. We've never had more fatal overdoses uh, 
in our history as a, a city and a county. And the state as a whole is just in going down the wrong path. And when I started to do the research for the book, I, I recognized that in all of these cities and these blue, deeply blue states, they were basically following the exact same pattern. It was like they were reading from the exact same script where we can point directly to policy, whether we're talking about uh, a law change, a strategy initiative, we can point to that and say, okay, that is directly responsible for this end result. And unfortunately, too few people recognize that. They, they have a general understanding that something's wrong, right? That they know about the crime crisis and homelessness. They realize that their cost of living is through the roof, but they don't necessarily know the why. And so what's killing America tells you the why. Mm. And in particular, you you spend some time on crime, it, it, yep. like a number of aspects to crime. And I'm definitely interested in the homelessness and the drug problems, too. Very interested. But on the crime, it it, it raised something for me because I know you take a deep dive into teens and how mm -hmm. there's been this movement to sort of decriminalize teens because that's turned into a thing that's supposed to be racist or inhumane, that we need to understand, you know, teens shouldn't be held accountable for their bad behavior and what that's led to. Absolutely. We have a juvenile crime surge. Uh, it started a couple of years ago. I think most of us can recognize why. When you go ahead and tell criminals, whether they're teens or not, that you can get away with your crime, that you don't have to really fear any kind of punishment. If anything, if you do end up getting caught by police departments that are already defunded and understaffed, so that's likely not going to happen. But if it does, well, we'll put you into restorative justice programs where you will get community support. It sounds really great on paper, but when you're doing that for teenagers who are already violent, it's not worth the risk to society. These are the kinds of kids who can get restorative justice programs while they're in juvenile detention or an adult prison. I, I think ultimately, and the reason why a lot of these sort of ideas ended up passing and getting implemented in, in cities across the country where I don't know anyone who has an appetite for putting a 15, 16, 17 year old in jail, right? I, I think all of us instinctively want to help wherever it is we can. But we're not putting the, you know, the 15 year old who steals a candy bar from a 7-Eleven in uh, jail. Right. W what we want to do is put the kids who are bringing a gun to those robberies and actually firing it. Those are the ones we want to put in jail. But instead, we're treating them both exactly the same. And, and the, the left wing argument in this case goes, I'm glad you pointed out the racism card, because that's what they're claiming, that the, the laziest argument any progressive can use, and they use this all the time on the radical left, they claim some disproportionality. They look at the data and say, black teens are disproportionately impacted by fill in the blank. That's all that they claim to get to a point where they say that it's racist. But but disproportionality doesn't tell you the why, it just tells you the what. So for, for them to just jump to that conclusion, it's just incredibly lazy. But that's the argument that they make, and they're able to guilt mostly white voters in cities like Seattle, uh, Portland, L.A., San Francisco, really all across the country, into just accepting that. And we are worse off for it. We are now in a position where... Our lives are at risk. Sorry. Uh, I know a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. They, they think it's some kind of hyperbole. But when you look at the crime crisis, all kinds of crime, and again, particularly amongst youth, I think it's pretty clear that things are not where they should be. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I, people like Heather McDonald and yep. many others have done great. Jason Riley, great work on this. The, the vast majority of violent crimes are committed by black men. 
That's that's the truth. That's why the crime. The, that's why the incarceration rate is disproportionate to the percentage of the population that black men make up. Uh, we can get to the root causes of that all day long, but the left doesn't want to do it. They don't want to talk about actual anything having to do with culture. It's no. a no go. But on the subject of teens, black or white committing crime, um, there has been this weird movement to really just treat it like it's a nothing, no matter how violent. And like you say, you know, I, I'm a reform shoplifter. I've told the story in the past about when I was 12 on Halloween, I stole earrings and a necklace and my my mom and my friend's mom caught us and made us go down and confess our crime to the Kmart manager. And it was very scary. And I never stole again. Um, that's not what we're talking about. No one's talking about that. They're talking about violent crimes that these kids like only a depraved heart would do. Like we saw with the two kids. Sorry to use that term. They're not uh, the two young men who ran down that former police officer um, just last week. They I mean, just mowed him down like he was absolutely nothing and killed this this man who had recently retired, who are going to be treated as adults in the system. But I wanted to mention this. We haven't gotten to the story. It happened a couple of weeks ago via the New York Post. Minnesota Democratic uh, official who once vowed to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department, who actually said right after George Floyd uh, that we need to that, that that the police department has systematically failed the black community, has failed all of us. If you're still disagreeing with this basic fact, I'm not sure what to say to you, pushing for defunding. She applauded the Minneapolis school board's decision to terminate its contract with the police, saying the police should have no place in our children's school. Well, guess what happened? The reason we're showing you her bloody and bruised face here is because she was attacked. And guess by whom? A couple of youths, according to her. Her name is Shivanthi Sathanandan. Uh, forgive me if that's not the pronunciation. But she's a Democratic lawmaker who says in connection with this post, I have a broken leg, deep lacerations on my head, bruising, cuts all over my body, and I have rage. The beating occurred in front of her four-year-old daughter and seven-year-old son around 7.45 p.m. Tuesday. These men knew what they were doing, she wrote. I have no doubt they've done it before, yet they are still on our streets, killing mothers, giving babies psychological trauma that a lifetime of therapy cannot ease with no hesitation and no remorse. Then she says, we need to get illegal guns off our streets. We need to catch these young people who are running wild, creating chaos across our city and hold them in custody and prosecute them. Okay, why are they out in the first place, Representative? Oh, wait, it's because of you and people like you. Precisely. And what drives me mad, and it's it's a sad reality, but for a lot of folks, they have to personally experience something for them to finally see things the way that a lot of us on the right see things. And that's a shame when we're talking about crime. I don't want to see innocent victims uh, ever. But unless people are individually impacted or they know someone who's impacted someone, whether it's something dramatic like this or having a stolen car or, you know, simply taking your kids to the park to find a bunch of homeless people shooting up or smoking fentanyl. That's the point where they start to turn things around. And I think part of it is and I know this just from my experience living in Seattle, I'm surrounded by people who think nothing like me. And I imagine that if I was surrounded by people who only think like me, I would have blinders on to the reality. And when you are so knee deep in your ideology, you tend to just dismiss folks on the other side. And it's really easy to just miss everything. And then all of a sudden it happens to you and you're wondering why isn't anything being done? And you know what? I, I like to yell at them and shame them and say, maybe you should have woken up a while ago because we've been talking about this for a while. But I'll, I'll take 
them stepping a little bit closer to my side. They're never going to be on the right, but they could step a little bit towards the middle. And when we're dealing with these kinds of policies, whether it's in Minnesota or California, New York or you know Port, uh, Oregon and, and Washington, we just need to moderate just a little bit, just a little bit, and we can start walking back a lot of these policies. But if they're unwilling to accept a reality on the ground, whether it, when it comes to crime, drugs or whatever, they're just not going to see any kind of relief. And ultimately, it's going to catch up to them. And we're all going to become victimized by this. If we don't do anything. I, I well, just, it's, it's slowly happening. It's happening yeah. with these sanctuary cities yep. and the influx of illegal migrants. And they're feeling the consequences of their own decisions uh, and crime we talked about. And even we, there was a story a couple of days ago of Chicago now, which is immersed in crime in a way it hasn't been in years, um, now pushing, maybe we should have city-owned city-run grocery stores because so many are pulling up stops because they can't, they're crime-ridden. They can't run a business anymore there. So they're like, maybe the city should just take over. This is, we get news just today that CVS Pharmacy is announcing the closure of some 900 stores. It's going to happen, I think, 300 one year, 300 the next. Because of all, in part, one of the main two reasons was the theft that's happening. Remember after George Floyd, you were no longer allowed to call the police on young black thieves in your CVS because that was racist, because you're basically giving them a death sentence in the eyes of these progressives. Meanwhile, they totally ignore the fact that the vast majority of the victims of these crimes are black people, too, uh, in in these sort of cities, CVSs and so on. Yeah, there's been a shift in thinking, just the culture and how we treat folks who are the criminals. The, the radical left believe criminals are the actual victims. And when you think of it through that lens that they view the world, they and, and I give them this is the only kudos I give to the radical left. They are open about their positions. They did not hide during the post-George Floyd BLM riots and rallies. They said, we want to dismantle systems of oppression. They said that out loud, and they believe that all of our institutions are systems of oppression. So in order to build them into this sort of utopian society that that they would love us to have uh, in this country, they have to break it down. And so they started with criminal justice. They've been doing it for a while. They just haven't had as much success. And then, bam, all of a sudden, because of George Floyd, because everyone just sort of gave in to the demands of a small group of recalcitrant activists, well, they started to see a whole lot of results. And they institutionally changed our criminal justice system all across the country. And so when you tell bad guys, hey, we're not going to charge you if you steal under X amount of uh, of dollars worth of product, yeah, they're going to take advantage of that. In Washington mm-hmm. state, they passed a bill that prevented officers from vehicular pursuits. And now what that has meant is you steal a car, they can't chase you. You use that car to drive through a storefront usually a pot shop or a drugstore. They jump in, steal what they can, and then they just drive away in another stolen vehicle. They don't even have to speed away because the cop is not allowed to chase them. And so while that is happening, we've seen a surge of that across the country, but particularly in Washington state. You've got now departments that don't have enough police officers to do the actual investigating to then track down that criminal who just broke into that pot shop or wherever. And when they're juveniles, which we've seen a lot of, they start to think to themselves because they don't have responsible adults in their lives, particularly fathers when we're talking about young boys, they say, hey, I wonder what else I can get away with. 
And they take one step further and then another step and another step. And then you see what we did in Las Vegas, where they seem to think, oh, well, we'll get out of jail after 30 days. Those are the two kids. Again, I shouldn't use the term kids. They're, they're I think, 17 and 16 who ran down Andreas probes to just for the we, we did this on, on uh, Kelly's court with Garagos and Marsha Clark last week. But here here is the disturbing video. We don't show the moment of impact, but here's the callousness of the crime that we're discussing right now. My God. And, and they killed him, hit his ass. So fun. They're giggling. And and to your point, Jason, they um, the names, I will say the names of the perpetrators are Jesus Ayala and um, looking for the other one here. I have it. And uh, Zamir Keys. And uh, they said Ayala, when arrested by the cops, he was the driver, said, and I quote, you think this juvenile expletive is going to do some expletive? I'll be out in 30 days. I'll bet you. Uh, and then said, it's just a blanking hit and run slap on the wrist. Little did he know that they actually would throw the book at him. Yeah. He and his partner in crime are going to be tried as adults. They cannot face the death penalty because in 2006, the Supreme Court said it's not available for people who commit their crimes while juveniles. But he he wasn't wrong, Jason, that in most of these cases, they do get slaps on the wrist and turned right back out onto the streets. Yeah. Where did he learn that? Right. I mean, he's picking up the, the lingo because he recognizes that it's happening all over the place in what's killing America. I, I cover some of these very specific stories where you have hit and runs, literal hit and runs, and there's a slap on the wrist. They end up getting released. And by the way, in one of those cases, the, the person responsible for a hit and run ends up getting murdered himself several months after he was released from his you know, juvenile summer camp punishment. And these are kids who ultimately, I, I do think we can save some of them. Maybe not all of them. I think in the case of Las Vegas, they sound like sociopaths, but there are cases yeah, where we can two. actually help them. And we're not going to help them if we're never going to show them any kind of legal consequence. We are failing not just the victims, but we're also failing society by just releasing these kids back into the the you know the world to just recommit another crime. And oh wait, wait, you you raised this in the book. I wanted to get to this with you. That horrific video of the of the 15-year-old Christopher uh, is it Baca, Baca who mowed down this mother and her eight-month-old baby in a stroller. We watched this video. I, the audience should know, uh, miraculously, they were fine. I, it's a true miracle that the mother and the baby only had superficial wounds. Yep. But this 15-year-old mowed them down. This is such a good example. Can you explain what happened to this kid, and uh, I mean, this 15-year-old, and what you think should have happened to him? Yeah, what like, happened? How should he have been handled? He, he was quite literally put in a form of summer camp. He was there not even for the full term. He was there for ultimately just a few weeks, and it was supposed to get him on the right path. This is restorative justice at work, and the whole concept of restorative justice sounds great on paper. That we're going to bring together community members, we're going to provide therapy, we're going to talk through some of the issues, get the victims sometimes involved, and really provide this holistic approach. And I think that instinctively people are eager to do something like that rather than throw someone in jail. But 
that's not actually how any of these programs work because they're number one, there's almost never any accountability. There's almost never any oversight. We have programs all across this country where the people don't even show up. So in this case, he goes to summer camp for a few weeks and then he's released. And in the meantime, this poor victim, the mother moves out of L.A. County that this was a case of George um uh, I wanted to say Soros for a moment, but we're talking about Gascon, who Gaston. is a you know very, very, very radical DA who, again, said, I'm looking to dismantle all of these systems. And she, like so many others, said, I don't feel safe anymore. I'm going to leave. She leaves. And then we find out just a few months later, the suspect in this, the, the criminal in this, ends up getting shot to death. And if you're going to tell me that restorative justice is the place for someone like this, well, you better have some results. You better show us the data. And frankly, the data doesn't exist. The data works when we're talking about someone who, like I said, is stealing a candy bar. That's where these kinds of programs work, because those are the ones who aren't too far gone. But the ones who have already acted out violently, th this is what the radical left wants us to believe, that it is worth the risk to society to put them in a restorative justice program rather than jail and hope that it's going to work and they will not commit another crime. I'm sorry, I don't accept that. I don't accept that. I'm willing to take a risk as a member of society who doesn't want to get hurt on the kid who steals the Butterfinger. I'm not willing to take that risk on someone who mows down a mother and her child. It is too Same. much for me. And I think most people are on that page, but they don't realize it's going on. So let's let's talk about uh, the drug problem a bit, because you write about Oregon, yep. uh, not far from where you're living. And how they tried drug decriminalization. This is all the rage in the progressive communities. Like, let's just make it all legal. Heroin, whatever you want, it's fine. And we're actually going to help you. We're going to help you do it safer. That's what they want. Like a, a more safe alternative for people who are addicted to drugs. So how did that work out? Oh, it didn't. And they're still doing it, of course. So th this is one of those terms, again, that I think sounds great on paper. And it's called harm reduction. Now, if I went outside and I asked just 10 random people if they ever heard of the term, could define the term, 10 out of 10 would tell me no, they would have no idea. And yet this is the policy that is in place, not just in Oregon, but all across the country. It's been adopted by the, uh, the Biden administration as well. It's a form of drug treatment, they claim, in which they make it safer to consume an illicit substance. And their argument is, if we can keep the addict alive long enough to get treatment, he or she will finally do so. So let's give them a clean needle so they're not spreading bloodborne disease. We'll give them a crack pipe or a booty bumping kit, which I, I get to in the book. I love saying that in front of three million Americans on, on Tucker. It is dark. I did not know about this <laughs> thing. It, it is dark. It's exactly what it sounds like. And yeah. it's internal. Let's just talk about Let's just say that. Don't Google any photos or videos of that. But they're saying, let's give away these tools and then eventually we'll be able to treat these people. On paper, that sounds great. In reality, they don't do any treatment. They don't put money into treatment or detox at all. There's never any pressure to push people into treatment or detox because they believe that any kind of judgment is stigmatizing against the user. And so they don't want to do anything. As a result of that, we have seen record high numbers of dead addicts all across the country. We've seen just today, there was a report came out that I believe is 31 states saw an increase in fentanyl overdoses year over year. And keep in mind the last two and three years, we've seen record highs. Oregon is going in the 
complete wrong direction. This was passed by voters. Measure 110. I get through some of the data in the book, but uh, essentially you're given the opportunity as someone who ends up getting ticketed for an illicit substance abuse. You can avoid paying the ticket so long as you call this number on the back of it to get some sort of treatment. Well, guess what? They didn't show up to court and they didn't call up the number. And it's been a total failure. Washington State did virtually the same thing. It went about it a little bit different way. They finally just walked it back because in Seattle and King County, we've seen an historic rise of overdoses. A lot of it is driven by fentanyl. Uh, Some of it also is meth. To give you a sense of how bad it is in, in the Pacific Northwest, there was a study by the University of Washington that came out about three or so weeks ago, and they tested the surfaces and the air of our metro systems, our transit. 100% of the air had meth in it, had meth smoke detected, 98% on surfaces. It was a little bit less on fentanyl. I think that's a little bit having to do with the way that fentanyl is consumed. But 100%, I mean, just think about that for a second, 100%. And by the way, they have the gall to tell us, oh, it's totally safe to continue to take transit. Don't worry, stop uh, complaining. But the fact of the matter is that obviously indicates a problem with drug abuse. And you you can track the data so clearly because back in 2018, our prosecutor in King County, which is where Seattle is located at the time, said, we're no longer going to charge for personal possession. We're no longer going to consider that a criminal justice issue. Well, guess what happened? Number one, the drug dealers stopped carrying as much product on them. They were carrying personal possession amounts. So in case they were stopped by a cop, they can get out of it. Number two, the cops no longer had any leverage over an addict to turn on the drug dealer because before they could say, look, I'm going to throw you in jail. You're going to detox over the weekend in jail unless you give me information on your your, uh, drug dealer. Well, they no longer had to do that. And all of a sudden, you've got open air drug use all over the place. And people are dying in record numbers. Every single year since 2018, we've seen a, a historic high overdose rate. Every single year. When you look oh, at yeah. Philadelphia, I, you, you write about thing. this in the book. They, the, um, in Oregon, after this, fatal overdoses, you just alluded to it, surged 76% from 2011 to 21 with fentanyl driving the numbers. Just between 2020 and 2021, fentanyl-related fatal overdoses rose 83%. I mean, that is shocking. What an, what an F, a total failure. Just to remind our audience, my guest is Jason Rance, R-A-N-T-Z, and the book is What's Killing America? Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. Uh, and you lay it all out. The other thing you get into, and in, you know, we, we touched on it, but like the homelessness problem, how the, they think the solution is housing. Let's, let's just get housing yeah. and everything will be better. Yeah, it turns out that that's actually not how it works because they were not born homeless. They had a home at one point and then they ended up on the streets. And it's very similar in the way that harm reduction is being used. There's another policy out there, a strategy called housing first. And again, I can ask anyone what it is. No one would be able to define it. And yet that is why we have a crisis of homelessness in this country. Housing first says we're going to put people without any conditions into subsidized housing. And usually they're waiting for either now they do homeless hotels, but also just your standard studio apartment. And that's been one of the reasons why we don't see a lot of sweeps in Democrat-run cities. They don't want to sweep these homeless encampments, all these tents, until you have a home for them because apparently it lacks compassion to let people live surrounded by human waste and use needles and trash. And so you would at least on paper say, okay, maybe that does work. And we often hear people say Salt Lake City did this and they got to functional zero homeless uh, population. 
Well, that's not true. And I did the research. I ended up committing an entire chapter just to Salt Lake and the housing first myth because it was a total failure. They did not look at the right numbers. They, I think, intentionally misled the public as to the impact of their policy. And it's gotten worse homelessness ever since. But the biggest issue with housing first is there's never any kind of mandate that the individual get treatment for whatever it is was the underlying cause of their homelessness. So let's say it was drug addiction, which is leading a lot of it. Well, you can just continue to use drugs while in the subsidized housing. That doesn't help them. It doesn't help them at all. And of course, they're not just staying in their home. They're still going out into the community. They're still committing crimes in order to pay for their drug of choice. But the only people who end up benefiting are the ones who run these programs, the homeless industrial complex. And it sounds kind of like conspiratorial when I put things in that phrasing, but these are people who get paid to care for the homeless who never go on their own, who never get off the, the get onto their own path. And so they're incentivized, whether or not they're doing this intentionally, uh, I, I don't generally think that, but it's got to be a subconscious bias there. The longer they're in subsidized housing, the longer these people are employed, the more money they get. And despite showing very few success stories, they keep getting larger budgets. Because behind the mm -hmm. scenes, they're cozying up to politicians at the local or state level, and they're just getting more funds funneled into their programs. And they say that now just getting someone indoors is success. But I don't think the average person would argue that that's successful. And so when folks are complaining about the homelessness crisis, understand a lot of this is being done in your name. And you probably at one point just heard about it in passing this housing first model. And you didn't push back because you thought it made sense. And that, that, that's why I wrote this book on all these topics. Like, here's the here's how you decode the radical left and what they're doing to our cities. And, and well, yes. I mean, the, the, the aptly named What's Killing America by Jason Rance lays it out. Um, and, and the homelessness, you, you have a great example of what they're doing in Austin, which actually is working. It's a different approach. And people should read the book to find out mm -hmm. the difference. It makes a lot of sense. Austin seems like a very sensible city. It's it's blue, but it's in a red state. And its blueness is tempered, I think, by uh, the general approach of Texans. Um, but I want to jump back to the drug thing, because the thing you said about what's happening on the metro, where the 100 percent of the tests came back positive for meth, is very scary to, to, for anybody, but especially somebody who goes on there with children. And it reminds me of what happened in New York in the Bronx last week. It was on the cover of the Post for a couple of days where a, a baby, a one year old baby boy died. He was put in this daycare center. I think three other babies were all almost killed too. They were taken to the hospital. And so far, I believe all three have survived. They were given Narcan um, to try to bring them back, but it was because of fentanyl. And it appears, according to the feds at least, the woman running the daycare center, which was in an apartment, and somebody who lived in a, an adjoining apartment were running a fentanyl lab. She denies it. She's like, oh, I had, I know, I had no idea, but she waited to call the cops, according to the feds. That she called somebody else who came over before the 911 people came. And this baby died because just yeah. inhaling the fentanyl, which had been in the room, it wasn't like he actually took it or any of these babies took it. Just inhaling it could be lethal or almost lethal. Well, if you talk to some folks in the harm reduction camp, that's not true. In fact, even the UW study, again, they're telling us that it's totally safe. Now, there's a little bit of a difference, obviously, between secondhand fentanyl smoke and, and fentanyl, the substance itself. But I just wholly reject the idea that it's perfectly safe. This from the same group of folks who tell us secondhand smoke kills and yet secondhand fentanyl or any kind of exposure to fentanyl, because I've been on 
a bus where people have been openly smoking. They, they pull out their little tinfoil. They're very clearly smoking either fentanyl or meth. And I've smelled it. I should not know what fentanyl smells like. And no. yet I know precisely what it smells like. I've never actually used fentanyl, but I know what it smells like when it's being smoked. You're I didn't know in- you could smoke fentanyl. You can you can smoke almost anything at this point. Fentanyl gets smoked as what well. it can be smoked. Also meth. And but so it, that's, that's a good thing to know. So yeah. you're like you're a mother or father on a train or a bus and you smell something. You don't know what it is. Get the hell off. Get your kid away. So what? You have to wait for the next bus. Get out of there. Yeah. The problem is, though, man, is that that next bus might also have someone on there who is smoking or using oh. in some way. That That's the reality of certain routes in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, same thing in Portland when you go on to their sort of light rail streetcar system, you're running into the exact same issues. And just to be told that any of our concerns are meritless is just insulting. And if we don't push back, it's just going to get worse. But the reason why they're doing this is, again, they don't want to stigmatize drug use. But to your point, you know, we're having kids die in this country. These are avoidable deaths. There are some accidents and deaths and crimes that are not avoidable. They just happen. But this is very clearly avoidable because they've created a culture of lawlessness as it relates specifically to drug use. And as a result, well, guess what? Now it's getting in front of kids and kids are becoming victimized. And if that doesn't push people into action, I don't know what will. Mm, You write a lot about the fentanyl crisis, and it is very scary about how they are lacing these Mexican drug cartels. They're lacing uh, other pills with fentanyl, with a synthetic opioid, which is killing people. I mean, Eric Bowling, my friend, has got a whole charity called One Pill Can Kill to remind people about the death of his son, Eric Chase. And uh, that's what happened. One pill did kill him uh, when you comes from the wrong person and you think it's a nothing and maybe you think it's just like a uh, like a sedative or something that's going to take the edge off. And they kids need to know there's no such thing as a safe one pill that you get from a dealer or you get from somebody other than a doctor. Uh, it's it's very scary. I appreciate the book because like what's happening here needs attention. You know, we're so obsessed with Ukraine. We can do both. We can do both. We're not doing both. America is being killed bit by bit by a lot of these problems that Jason outlines. You can check it out in his book, What's Killing America. Jason Rands, please come back. I will. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Great to see you. And I want to tell you all that we have some great guests coming up tomorrow. The fifth column, guys. Very much looking forward to that in advance of the next Republican debate. And the GOP debate will bring on our all-star analysis the next day. Glenn Greenwald, Eliana Johnson, Michael Duncan from Ruthless, and then Scott Adams joins us for the first time on Friday. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Megyn Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me.
Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.